We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shop? Talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. Eh, 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 Yes. Hello. Hi. I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular Beaver, whoosh. Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From a flooded cellar deep in the underground broadcasting facilities of Area 51, welcome to Toddcast 346, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with a chance of no tomorrow whatsoever, I am the Dome. Joining the Toddcast tonight from the Peabody Time Tunnel are button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering, violent virtuoso, Kriana. That's what they call me. They do indeed. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be me and Kriana tonight talking with the Renaissance man of geekdom. <laughs> Let's be real. I don't really talk that much, so. That's kind of true. <laughs> well, I talk too much, so. No, we balance you, you, each other out. Great job with it. Vivek Tawari joins us tonight. Vivek, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Um, Always a pleasure. Great to hear your voices. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really well. Yeah. So uh, I was hoping before we talk about your new project, which, by the way, just floored me when I heard about it, uh, just so you know, uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh, the latest update to, and I was just reading it just the other day. Um, ah, help me out here. Uh Asha, Asha Ascending. Oh, Asha I, Ascending, yeah. I, Sorry, I, was, I, just, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I actually have so much stuff going on when you're like, the latest yeah, update, I was like, oh gosh, on which one? Um, so yeah, Asha Ascending is a, is a YA novel that I'm writing in serialized form, uh, and it's illustrated, so it's got a lot of art by the wonderful artist Sarah Richard, who's probably best known for her work on uh, My Little Pony and Gem and the Holograms. But she does a lot more than that. She should, anybody who's listening should definitely check her out at sarahrichard.com. And um, basically, Sarah and I are uh, slowly releasing chapters of the book for free. Um, and, uh, and those are available uh, online now at Wattpad. Um, for those of you who haven't used Wattpad, it's a very popular, um, uh, basically online uh, site to read stories, and, and authors are encouraged to put their material up there, and it's great for discovery. A lot of uh, avid readers are finding, uh, finding work that they never uh, heard about before, and, and there's, there's, uh, there's all sorts of genres on Wattpad, but YA is a big one, and, and this is a YA novel, so we're really excited to now be on that platform. 
And as I said, I just finished reading um, Chapter 2. Uh, oh, cool. Which was just came out, uh, like a, I think, like a week and a half ago. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, if you go to Wattpad, wattpad.com, and search for Asha Ascending, that's A-S-C-E-N-D-I-N-G, you'll find the first two chapters. And if you're very eager to read more, um, at the Asha Ascending sort of official website, which is ashaascending.com, um, I believe we've posted up to chapter six or seven. I can't, can't remember exact, the exact count. But the first two chapters are up on Wattpad. Very cool. Uh, and, yeah, and thank you. The, the artwork is amazing. I like the story a lot. Um, you thank know, you. We do have a whole bunch of young adult or, or YA authors uh, on the show from time to time. And uh, this has got just a... a a really interesting cultural mix to it that, that makes it something different, something special. And it's, it's a really good fun read. Thank you. Yeah. The lead the Asha is a, is a, um, a young teenage uh, girl of Indian descent and she's sort of a master coder. Um, and I think we need to see, uh, see more, more girls coding and, and more girl heroines and more Indian heroines. So I figured I would uh, I would cover them all in one fell swoop, and um, and she and it takes place in a sort of near future. I wouldn't say it's a dystopian future, um, but it is a, it's kind a of future is. New York. Yeah, I mean it's got dystopian elements, but it's certainly not dystopian in the way that people think of uh, you know fu- of uh, future worlds like the Hunger Games. I mean there, there's a lot of of this future that seems utopian. Um, there's a there's an internet that virtually every teenage teenager can access directly through surgical implants. And, uh, and stuck into this world, um, Asha winds up uh, crossing paths with this sort of irresponsible party boy um, whose mother was one of the core architects of this hyper-internet, and, uh, and she has fallen ill. I don't want to give away too much. Um, and, um, and she has to, and Asha has to work with, uh, with Hal, um, her son, to, to, uh, in a race against the clock to try to save her life as they try to unlock the code to immortality. Um, which is a bit of a mouthful, I guess. But if you take a look at the at the site, I think it'll all make sense. And and I mean, you know, again, I want to get to the new project, but I want to get everybody upgraded on your 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 other things. The fifth beetle. The last time we talked about that, we had talked about uh, looking at uh, movie options and television options. And yeah, and where are we at with that? What's new yeah, so, so uh, if there's anyone listening who, um, who doesn't know this project, it's a longtime Labor of Love project called The Fifth Beatle, based on the life of the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein. Uh, it started life as a graphic novel that I wrote with, uh, with, with two fantastic artists, Andrew Robinson and Kyle Baker. Um, you can learn more about it at fifthbeetle.com. came out a few years ago and has done really well. It's won a, won a whole pile of awards that I'm very proud of and was a number one New York Times bestseller. Boy, it and sure did, brief, it, yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, in brief, it chronicles the life of the guy that, who discovered the band, Brian Epstein. He was 26 years old. He found them playing basement clubs where they were smoking on stage and drinking on stage. He came up with the idea of the suits and the haircuts. He got them a record deal when no one wanted to sign them. He was basically the guy who behind the scenes engineered Beatlemania and gave the world the Beatles. And he also did all this while he was gay, uh, Jewish, and from Liverpool. And in the early 1960s, it was a felony to be gay. Anti-Semitism was rampant in the country. And Liverpool, prior to the Beatles, is a port town without any cultural influence. 
So basically, Brian was the ultimate outsider. And um, as much as I'm a huge Beatles fan, the, the, it was Brian's human story that really struck a deep chord for me. Uh, I grew up in New York City, and I'm of Indian origin. And um, as a young Indian kid uh, living in New York with some means and opportunity, I was expected to become a doctor or an engineer. Uh, and uh, what I wanted to do is what I'm doing now, writing comics and producing television and theater. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, Brian's story was a great inspiration to me. I figured if the gay Jewish kid from Liverpool could bring the world to Beatles, why couldn't the weirdo Indian kid from New York City write comic books and produce Broadway musicals? Um, so that, that's the story of the fifth Beatle. And, and, uh, for those of you, um, who haven't been following it, I should also say we are adapting it into a television miniseries. And, uh, and now to get to, to finally get to your question as to what's yeah, going on, <laughs> um, we are, we are at a very, very exciting time for the fifth Beatle. Um, we've done a deal with a company called Sonar Entertainment, uh, that are television producers, financiers, and distributors. And, um, and we also have secured access to Beatles music. It's totally unprecedented. The first time sure. the band has, has yeah. ever allowed their music to be featured uh, in a, uh, a film or television show about their history. Um, so it's a huge honor and a huge responsibility. And, uh, and the sort of the biggest news I can, I can uh, report, although I can't give you too many specifics, is we are literally right now in negotiations uh, with a director and a lead actor. Um, so I suspect within the next, uh, possibly weeks, but certainly within the next month, um, we will be able to announce our director and our lead actor. Um, so it's literally at the stage where we're um, we are taught we are at the deal deal stage. So that's a that's a huge development for us. And um, we've also had one uh, conversation um, with a network that uh, that would be fantastic for this. Uh, and they requested sort of an early chat. I, I can't unfortunately can't say who it is. Um, but uh, but I will say that we um, we are targeting high end cable and streaming, and uh, and that announcement will come probably shortly after, um, or not too long after the director and the star announcement. And when I say high end cable and streaming, um, for in the U S. that means high end cable means HBO, Showtime, FX, sort of that world, and streaming is um, Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu is sort of that world. Um, so See, it's, it's an incredibly you exciting anybody, time. You know, at the, at the, the upper echelons to, to talk to about this. That's a, that's a <laughs> it, shame. It has <laughs> been a really, you know, but it's been a long time coming. Um, I certainly don't want to make it sound like uh, like everything's just falling into place. As Dome, you know, you've been talking to me for several years now. My so we've God, really, it's been uh, three years we've been talking about this at least. Yeah, and, you know, and I've been working on it for a good five or six before that. So it, this that, is a... Yeah. Absolutely. This is a real, uh, real long time coming. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get to this stage, but um, but you know, it's this. Uh, on the surface, it looks like it's the overnight success that just took a decade. You know, <laughs> so but uh, but it's, worth every it's minute. The same way for all of us, I think. You know, all of a sudden, people remember us and go, "Wow, where have you been?" Well, we've been working for an awful yeah, no doubt. time to get it to this point. So that's no doubt. Just, you know, Asha ascending. Uh, we yeah, also- I mean, li- literally, please, uh, anybody who's listening, follow us at fifthbeetle.com or on Twitter at, at @fifthbeetle or on Facebook. And I, I do expect with, within, a, within a month at the most, we'll be, uh, we'll be announcing our director and our lead actor. We'll, uh, we'll be announcing the guy who's playing Brian. So it's uh, super exciting for us. And we'll, we'll love to talk to you about it again and again and again. <laughs> well, you know me. I'll keep coming back. I love, I love talking to you. So thanks. Well, I appreciate that more than you know. There was another project that we were talking about 
oh, maybe six months to a year ago called uh, Astronaut Academy. Yeah, so that's also going really well. So basically, I'm, I'm working with Dave Roman, the fantastic comic book creator, uh, and Dave created uh, a series of comics called Astronaut Academy. Um, and uh, the easiest way to think about it is it's Harry Potter in space. And so Dave and I are working to adapt the material for, at the time when I optioned it, and probably when I last spoke to you about six months ago, we weren't sure exactly whether we were doing film or television. And I can report now that our, our efforts are squarely focused on TV, um, which is not to say that a film couldn't come afterwards, but you have to start somewhere. And we've decided for focus purposes that we're going to start at television. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of TV work these days. As I mentioned, Fifth Beatles is going to be a, a limited, uh, limited event series on television. And I'm just really enjoying TV. I think uh, there's a lot of exciting work happening at TV, and TV allows you to tell these sort of large uh, arc stories um, in ways that, uh, that film, it's either more difficult to get off the ground or takes a whole lot longer. And um, Dave has, uh, has two wonderful Astronaut Academy books and is working on the third one as we speak. Uh, so there's lots of stories to be told in the Astronaut Academy world, and it feels like TV is just the place to, to begin that, that, uh, that tale. Um, and so, uh, so again, please follow us where, uh, you can find out more about Astronaut Academy, um, through the TEG website and my company, Tawari Entertainment Group, and that's tawarient.com. We're on Twitter at, at @tawariant, and, and again, we're at Facebook at Tawari Entertainment Group. And I do expect we're going to have some, uh, some exciting things to announce about Astronaut Academy soon as well. So, I mean, you know, if only you were a little busier. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I love what I do, and 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 yes, there are there are moments when it feels busy. Especially, you know, I've got the the real pride and joy in my life is my kids. I have an eight year old son and a five year old daughter, and when it really gets to me is when uh, is when I am you know sort of struggling to make sure I have a lot of time to spend with them. But outside of that, it doesn't. You know, when you do what you love, you do, it doesn't really. You don't really. You forget that you're busy. You know, you just feel like you're living the dream. Really, I feel very blessed. So as, as you're, you know, starting to move these projects, starting to, as you've been moving these projects forward, some for 10 years, some for only a couple of years, uh, I got, a, I got a, uh, an email from, oddly enough, Tori Entertainment saying, <laughs> check out Waypoint. And I'm going, what in the name of hell is... <laughs> And then I, I, I look at it, and I'm going, he wrote another comic book. And not just another comic book. He wrote in the Star Trek universe. Yes, indeed. And what a joy to play in the Star Trek that, universe. But even cooler than that, he wrote in a section of the Star Trek universe where there's never been a comic before. The part of the Star Trek universe from Star Trek Enterprise, which was the last series on TV. So yeah. what, what made you get involved with this? So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, sci-fi geek. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, in, in New York City. And so I was going to Star Trek conventions and creation conventions that, uh, that featured or brought out a number of my, my Star Trek heroes, uh, you know, ever since I was a little kid. So I certainly grew up with Star Trek. And my parents, you know, grew up with the, uh, with the original series. So, so they were Star Trek fans. And so I, I really have been been watching and, and enjoying Star Trek since I was a little kid. 
so I'm a huge fan. And, um, and now that Star Trek, you know, has a rich life in comics and I was, uh, you know, I've become a, a comic book writer, um, you know, getting to, to write in the Star Trek universe was something that, uh, that, was, uh, that was sort of a bucket list item, I guess you could say, something I really, really wanted to do. And, um, and Waypoint uh, is a Star Trek comic that is essentially an anthology series. So every issue in, in Waypoint um, has essentially short stories from all over the Star Trek uh, universe. So you'll get uh, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, you'll get Star Trek Original Series. Um, and so, it's, so the, the, the great thing about Waypoint is it gives its writers a lot of latitude um, to pick or pitch, I guess I should say, a variety of different stories. Um, and as a quick aside, uh, and I don't know if we mentioned this on the last call um, that we had together, but I've started slowly working on my next graphic novel project, which is sort of a, in some ways you could think of it as a, as a spiritual companion to The Fifth Beetle, or not, not so much a sequel as a companion, um, but its tentative title is A Mess of Blues, Colonel Parker, and the Unmaking of Elvis Presley. No way! So it's a, so it's a graphic cool. novel about the life of Colonel Parker. Thanks! Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, won't go off on too much of a tangent about that, but anyone who's read the fifth Beatle will know I have, uh, have very passionate feelings about Parker. He, he was a, he was a genius in, in helping to, to make Elvis's career, but he was not a very decent human being. And I think in a lot of ways he unmade <laughs> Elvis's career as well. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, I, I think in some ways he was the anti-Brian, um, but working on, on uh, this graphic novel, you know, we were saying how long it took to get the fifth beetle off the ground. And graphic novels just do that. You know, they take a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And it's worth it. I love the medium of graphic novels. Um, but, you know, the fifth beetle was 10 years in the making. And, and I promise my fans that, that a mess of blues won't take a decade. Um, but it will take several years. So it's going to be a little while before, uh, before my fans will have anything to see um, for a mess of blues. So in the meanwhile, um, I'm really out there wanting to do more one-offs, more sort of short stories, single issues, that kind of thing. Um, as, as cool as it would be to, to be a regular writer on a, on a series that I, I, I enjoy, that's not really what I'm looking to do in the, the comic book world, but I am looking to do as many kind of one-off short stories, maybe three-story arcs, that sort of thing. Um, so knowing that IDW had this Waypoint series that was literally Star Trek one-offs, I was like, that is exactly what I would love to do. And um, Sarah Gatos, the editor over there, was somebody that I've known for a little while. And, and um, she said that uh, she'd love to have me do a story and, and would I be willing to pitch one. And, um, and I've loved Enterprise for a long time. Um, I, feel you know, like I, that I, probably I, was, I feel like Enterprise was one of the series that never really got a fair shot. Oh, it got you know, a fair I mean, shot. It, then 9-11 happened and it got really xenophobic really quickly. Yeah, and it did. was not true to the Star Trek ideals, and they pulled it, and they should have pulled it sooner. No, they were actually in the process of fixing it and doing a great job mm, of fixing it. The last, the last, I would disagree, and then they had that writer's strike, right? And Yeah, there was a lot of things that, that did it wrong. That, that just you know, I mean, part of what I liked about it was that they were, take, that they were doing things that weren't so, it weren't so set in the Star Trek formula. You know that they, they It's not uh, the formula that I'm talking about though. It's the actual like ideals of Star Trek, like the prime directive and things that are core to the center of Star Trek. Yeah, they really did break Exploration, the prime learning about new cultures and not tampering with them, you know. 
things like that got kind of yeah, lost. Yeah, but you have to remember, you know, Enterprise. Enterprise is the series that um, you know. It, it's a. Uh, it may have been the most recent series, but it, but it's the earliest. You know, it's when humans are first sure. uh, learning space travel. So in a lot of ways, they're they're learning those things. You know, they're sort of like defining the Prime Directive. But and it didn't stumbling. start out that way, and that's kind of the problem. That if they had started out in that direction, I would totally yeah, agree enough. with you. But. Um, yeah, and then it's a fair, it's a fair criticism, but I have to say I I loved the series. I'm not saying it's, it's not a good longer. series. I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm just saying it suffered from the politics of its time a lot more than other incarnations of Star Trek. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's certainly true. I All mean, right. the last I said my one thing was, for this. The week. last season was essentially a terrorism se- season. You know? Yeah. yeah exactly. Gee, I wonder where that came from. Yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So how but you I, you know, I loved the series, and, and for one reason or another, um, it's just never appeared in comics. I, I can't really say why that is. Um, I don't know why they've never approved a, an Enterprise story before. But, um, and, I, and I have to say, I didn't know that when I pitched an Enterprise story. Um, you know, I, it's, as I said, it's a, it's a season that I love. Uh, I mean, a series that I love. And um, I'm also a dog lover, and you know one of the the noteworthy things yeah. about Enterprise, I think, is that one of the main characters was a dog. You know, um, Captain Archer has a pet beagle named Porthos, who really is a you know a, 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 he's not just a, a random uh, add-on. He is a character in the in the series who appears yeah, it's not like a number a of times. And yeah, he's, he's yeah, exactly. And he does play a role, a key role in a couple of. Of episodes as well, which I yeah, that's kind of... right. What about Data's cat? And you know, and so being a dog lover, I just thought, and and, uh, and somebody who really liked Porthos, and I was like, you know what, I'd love to do a story that's that's really kind of about Porthos. You know, it's an it's an Archer story on the surface because you know readers want to read stories about the captain, but if you really dig into it, it's it's an Archer and Porthos story, and even deeper than that. Um, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but it's a time travel story that includes, you know, the, the large, the large, the lion's chunk of the story takes place in Archer's childhood, and so really at its core, it's it's about a boy and his dog, and um, and it's a it's a very human story in that sense, and so that's kind of why I was really excited to tell it. And um, as I said at the time, I didn't know that that Enterprise hadn't uh, hadn't been in comics before. I just really, I loved the series and I loved dogs and I had a great idea for a boy and his dog time travel story and. Um, and I pitched it, and they approved it. And then I find out, found out afterwards that I had the honor of being the, the first writer to um, to bring Star Trek Enterprise to comics. So I'm 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 very proud of that. Yeah, and, it was uh, and it, it was drawn by Hugo uh, Petrus yeah. and colored by Fran Gamboa. Uh, how did you get together with that group? That was through IDW. You know, I did, You know, when you when you work on licensed properties. Uh, like Star Trek, you know, with Fifth Beetle, obviously, I, I was the, you know, it's a true story, but I was the creator, so I really had mm-hmm. a lot more control over it. With licensed properties, you really do have to have to operate within uh, within some parameters. And um, so Sarah Gatos, the, the editor of the Star Trek series, you know, had a number of artists that, that she wanted to work with or liked working with that she felt would sort of stay true um, to, uh, to kind of what they were looking for, the, the look and, and feel of a Star Trek comic, although I, I think we tried to, to do and then succeeded in doing something slightly bit different, I think, uh, you know, in keeping with the fact that Enterprise hadn't been in comics before. We wanted to, um, you know, to do some, some stuff with the artwork that was maybe a little more humanistic than, um, than your standard uh, Star Trek comics. Um, but, you know, uh, it was Sarah, the editor, who suggested Hugo, and, uh, and I was thrilled that she did. He's, a, he's an absolutely brilliant uh, painter. He did fantastic work on Enterprise. 
um, with me uh, for this this story. It's called The Fragile Beauty of Loyalty is actually the name of the story. And in particular, there's a page in the middle, literally at the center point of the comic, that's a, a double page spread where a lot of stuff happens. And I remembered writing that page and thinking, oh my God, Hugo's going to absolutely kill me. Because um, I did not, I did not give my artist an easy task with that double page spread, and I know I'll never exactly forget how you're talking about too, and you're right. Yeah, that was that was a horrible thing for you to do, but he did it beautifully. It's a, totally, it's a and beautiful. and I'll never forget Hugo. He was so excited to do it. He was like, "This is going to be great," and he he came up with not one but two ideas for how to get it done. And um, Hugo's fantastic. He just was a, is a is a super sweet guy, but also just a fantastic artist. He never missed a deadline. He was totally enthusiastic about everything we were working on. And, um, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was Hugo who suggested Fran. Um, and Fran is amazing. He did, obviously did some, did some very beautiful coloring work on this. You know, we had two different time periods to cover in the story. And, yeah. um, and the, the, the Archer's childhood part of the story, as I said, is a really, it's a boy and his dog story. I mean, yes, it's technically a Star Trek story, but there's very little sci-fi element to it. Um, and so in keeping with that, I wanted the colors to really have a very sort of pastel-like human quality. Um, that's a bit of a departure from, from uh, yeah. thanks. And, and it is admittedly a departure from, from your standard Star Trek comic. And so, um, so it was really important to get to work with two artists, not, not just the penciler and the inker, but the, but the colors um, to capture a really sort of old-school human feel so that it really, at the end of the day, in some ways, you know, if you want to use movie references, I, I wanted it to feel a little bit more like Stand By Me than like Star Trek, you know? So yeah. as much as I'm yeah. a huge Star Trek fan, but, but it really is, you know, I think takes its cues more from, from the movies, the, the coming-of-age movies that I grew up with, like Stand By Me, than it does from science fiction. Um, and, you know, I'm a, as I said, I'm a sci-fi geek, and I think the best sci-fi is sci-fi that, that uses the, the medium to tell what essentially are human stories. So that's what I tried to do with this one. You know, it's it's so interesting to talk to you because you wear your emotions right out front. If you <laughs> really are pleased with something that you've done, there's no way I'm going to miss that. <laughs> and and you I, know, I thank you. One of the, one of the things as as I was going through the book, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he's got to really like this. And it, it's clear from your tone, from your attitude, from from the way you're presenting it, uh, from the stories you're telling about it, that, you know, this was something that was just one of those one-offs that you went, I really want to do this. I really want it to look like this. I really want it to feel like this. And here it is. And it does. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was def it's definitely a story that I, that I was very passionate about telling, even though it's a one-off and a short story. You know, it, it's definitely not something that I think of in any way, shape, or form as being an afterthought or a side story or a, or a throwaway for me as a writer. I mean, I, I cared about this as, as much as I care about anything that I do. Um, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really proud that I got to do it. You know, I, so I dedicated the story at the end uh, to, uh, to two dogs, to Laika Kudravka and to Suki Su. And Laika is, is certainly the more famous of the two. That's the, uh, the fearless Soviet space dog. Um, who was the first uh, uh, living creature that we ever sent into space. Um, she was really a pioneer and really was fearless. Um, and uh, there's actually a wonderful graphic novel about her called Laika that I, heart, I highly recommend everyone pick up. It's a really uh, heartwarming, beautiful, and, and ultimately very sad story. Um, 
but she really was a pioneer. And as I said, I'm a dog lover, so I'm a, a huge Leica fan. Uh, and Suki Sue is my dog. She's my fearless four-pound <laughs> papillon. Um, so, uh, so, you know, you can tell from the dedications that this was something that I took maybe more, maybe more seriously than I ought to. Maybe I'm really flying my geek flag high here, but, uh, but I, do, I do take these things seriously. That's, that's the only way to do it and do it well. Does this mean that uh, we might see you doing more one-offs of, of other comics? Uh, yeah, so- I hope so. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's funny that you, you say that because literally in the past two weeks, I started reaching out to all my, uh, my comic editor friends. And, you know, in the past, and certainly in the wake of Fit Beetle, I, you know, I got a lot of phone calls about, you know, are you looking for, for this kind of comic work or that kind of comic work? And I'd always said, you know, I'm, you know as, as awesome as it would be, I'm, I'm not really to look, looking to write for, uh, you know, for le- lack of a less crude way of putting it, other people's work for like licensed properties or, mm-hmm. or you know, currently existing titles. I kind of am interested in my own ideas. And literally in the past two weeks, I'm calling all my editor friends and saying like, you know, massive change of direction for me is that I am all of a sudden looking to do licensed properties, superhero properties, other people's work, as long as I can do one-offs, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, or, or, or sure. it doesn't necessarily need to be a one-off. I'd love to do like a three-issue arc, but I'm looking to do in and out kind of stories be, because I am still very deeply working on this next graphic novel project. But in order um, to keep my writing chops going, I think that's a responsible thing as a writer, but also for my fans. Like, I don't want my fans to have to wait another several years before they're going to get to see anything from me. So, so I'd like my fans to be able to, to ha- see continued comic work from me. So, yes, I'm, I'm very eager to do more one-off work. Um, I'll be honest in saying that I don't have one lined up. Uh, it's just in the past two weeks that I'm putting word out that I want to do it. Um, but I am um, uh, sort of happy and proud and honored to say that, uh, that I'm in conversations with, uh, with all the major publishers about potential um, short stories and one-offs that, I, that, that might be right for me. So, so hopefully within the next few, few weeks or months or so, I'll be able to announce a, another one-off or two or, or a short story or two um, from a title that um, that your listeners will have heard of, so so that's uh, well, that's you know, I can't I can't tell you how much I look forward to getting those emails when I see them. Well, now we have to have them on again because I want to know more about this. Oh, thanks, thanks, and I mean, I do. I, you know, I am I am a huge fanboy geek since childhood, so the, the to be able to to write for um you know for other science fiction titles or superhero titles, I love the stuff. Even though my graphic novel is in neither field like you know don't think for a second that it's not something i love boy i'll tell you we could talk for hours days weeks we need to get together and have dinner and talk over a, a, a glass or bottle or two points hello Fly saturday night is the official podcast of granicon northeast comic-con books and booze.com and ComicArtHouse.com. Be sure to visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're going to be at Super Mega Fest, drop down to the panel dome. We'll be there talking about the lucrative world of podcasting. And if you have another free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and at BarnesandNoble.com. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their groups at, oddly enough, lawrencemademecry.com. 
Vivek, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. Brianna, I can't thank you. Thank enough. you for having me and 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 happy birthday, Dome. <laughs> thank you so much. This is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for having me on again. I know.